Hello and welcome to Community Connection. I'm Iowa City Mayor Bruce Teague. The death of George Floyd has sparked a movement across the nation with activists taking to the streets demanding justice and influencing long overdue change in our society. Here in Iowa City, the group that has been leading the Black Lives Matter protests is known as the Iowa Freedom Riders. The demonstrations have been powerful and helped pave the path for change in our city. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Raneem Hamad, an organizer for the Iowa Freedom Riders. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I am very excited to talk to you today because there's a movement happening across the nation. It's happening here in Iowa and specifically here in our city. And so I wanted to talk a little bit, have you talk a little bit, if you would, just about Iowa Freedom Riders and how you all got started and just give us a little background information. So um, the Iowa Freedom Riders are, in terms of like coming up with the name, the Iowa Freedom Riders itself, that happened a little bit later in terms of our movement here in Iowa City. Um, so I would say the protests first started with, um, you know, just youth, organi you, you know, just black youth in the community coming together, um, you know, and just, you know, realizing that this is a time that, you know, we all need, you've like, Based in Iowa City history in 2016, we were already protesting with, um, you know, students have already had experience protesting with Students Against Hate and Discrimination. Um, and that was an organization that my sister and I and a couple other friends, um, when I was at West High, um, we started that organization in 2016. So we already had that experience in the past. So um, when the protests started in Iowa City, um, it was very important for us, you know, we learned from our mistakes from last time um, in 2016. And it was, we realized that it was really important that we organized as quickly as possible so that we're able to maintain a movement that isn't just, you know, just protesting out on the streets for a couple of days and then just loses traction and doesn't actually, you know, create, you know, institutional change um, that we actually really need in our community. And so uh, we came together with, uh, you know, just the people who work at the protests, you know, were actually like organizing and helping keep, you know, people together and all that. We all came together, you know, as a group and we're like, you know what, let's collectively organize, let's come behind a name. And, you know, we chose, you know, our Freedom Writers. Um, and in terms of that name, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, like why, um, why our Freedom Writers, why Freedom Writers as a name. And, um, to and, give and a little I bit ask of that same question, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. Iowa Freedom Writers, because we know the long-term history of Freedom Riders and how they did bring, you know, systemic change. Um, during that time, they were very effective in their measurements. So with the history of, you know, Freedom Riders, historically, give us a little bit about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the Freedom Riders were groups of civil rights activists, um, black folk and non-black folk as well, um, who uh, initially started protesting the segregation at bus stops, um, bus terminals in the South. And so they used, um, you know, nine, their forms of nonviolence, nonviolent resistance um, to fight this, um, you know, supremacist um, system that was in their community, that in the South at the time. Um, and the, they were consistently met, you know, with their nonviolence protests were consistently met with, you know, violence from the police arrests, and, you know, as well as violence from white protesters as well. But um, what, you know, their, like their decision to protest in such a way was really crucial in terms of drawing international attention to the civil rights movement um, in the South and in the, in the U.S. at the time, in the 1960s. And so drawing from that inspiration and drawing from that, you know, that history in and of itself, it was really important for us, you know, 
the Irish Freedom Rise is like our tactics at the time, you know, we were using nonviolent and nonviolent peaceful protests, you know, as a form of resistance, as a form of getting, you know, our message across. And so just realizing that we were using the same tactics that, you know, were already, you know, used by these like our activists who have been, you know, in our past and our black history in and of itself, it was really important for us to connect those two histories together, the present right now and the history, you know, the past together so that, you know, we can bring that, you know, cohesiveness together and that energy in and itself together. And I feel like the, like, you know, Iowa Freedom Writers is a very symbolic name. I have a great respect for what has happened in the past when we're talking about systemic change that needed to happen even back in the day. Um, mm -hmm. you, here we are in 2020 and we're still dealing with it, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the one thing that I, I've been trying to wrap my head around is, you know, why are we still here? You know, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's the systems. We, we know that we have a lot of uh, white allies that are doing what they can. Um, we have social justice people out there working every day to make change, but we're still, you know, in this cycle where blacks across the nation are, are systemically uh, disenfranchised. And so one of the things that you all have been able to do is uh, with your organization is bring to city council some of the demands that you all wanted and you know to see the change within city government leadership and, and city government policies and stuff like that. So I'm happy to say that you know we responded. Uh, city council made some what I would call bold choices uh, to you know create a framework, but that is minute and what we know the work involves, right? It's a long way away from what needs to happen and also the ideas that need to come to the table. We have lots of people from the community chime in. I've never had so many calls, so many emails in support of Black Lives Matter and also in support of uh, the demands from Iowa Freedom Riders. So one of the things that I wanted to know is now that we are at this juncture, what are some of the hopes that Iowa Freedom Riders have as far as like some of the demands moving forward? So as of now, we've been collaborating with various, um, you know, organizations and um, members of the community who have already been doing this work for so long um, and have the expertise and, you know, like the research and the policy work behind, you know, our demands that, you know, can support us in terms of, you know, um, better strengthening our demands. And so in terms of, you know, moving forward with the council, um, IFR, one, you know, we're really, we're pushing forward in terms of creating a coalition um, in the community with IFR that can, you know, push for our demands. Um, and then also, you know, we're also looking to have, you know, a permanent seat on the council in terms of IFR and our demands and continuously, you know, making sure that these demands are fulfilled and that they're fulfilled in the manner that, you know, the message was, you know, how it was brought to the council, how it was brought to the table, you know, with IFR, you know, we don't want, you know, the message to be misconstrued or diluted in any way. And so it's really crucial, um, you know, in my opinion, personally, that IFR have, has a seat at that table permanently while these demands are, you know, in process and in the works um, with the council. Yeah. And of course, council is going to be talking about what all that looks like. Um, mm -hmm. as far as how do we see the framework uh, for moving forward, because I think the Black Lives Matter, we want to really, um, I would like to say do it right the first time, but I already know that we're gonna have some hiccups along the way. Um, mm -hmm. That's just, um, that comes with changing anything, right? There's just some things you learn 
along the way and you, uh, once you realize something, you change course. Um, mm -hmm. And so the, the one hope that I have is that we can continue the conversation um, with Iowa Free to Writers. We also have, as you know, um, you mentioned some of these social justice groups that have been very involved in the community. This is also an opportunity for them and some of their initiatives to actually come into play. Uh, we also have the Human Rights Commission, the CPRB, the Community Police Review Board that we're looking at. So I think there's a lot to accomplish. But one thing that I'm very excited about is the, and you and I had a conversation about this, uh, and you gave me some clarification on the um, Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Um, mm -hmm. I think that that is an opportunity that I'm very proud that the council moved quickly on. A million dollars, you know, that we put there is, is, is a small amount, but I also felt that it was something that we needed to do to kind of mm -hmm. give it an opportunity to have some movement and, and yep. just not lip service. So with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, are you hoping to apply or to be on that? So I am definitely hoping for IFR to be a part of that discussion and be a part of that table as well. Um, just in terms of just understanding what the needs of the community are um, and having, you know, in terms of having, you know, black folk um, and marginalized, other marginalized communities, you know, in that discussion um, in terms of, you know, reparations and the injustices that have happened to marginalized communities in Iowa City for, you know, years. Um, and so I think it's really important that, you know, IFR is a part of that discussion as well. One of the things that I know is we have a lot of advocates out there. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of advocates. And one of the things that I've always been cognizant of is that even though our advocates really do understand, they, they try their best to understand and to express um, the 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 expressions or the stories of blacks when they're doing their voting, when they're doing um, any policy making or doing programs. But it is a difference when a person is, is present that is being talked about. Um, the perspective is different. When you're talking about things, you may zone in on something because of who you are that someone may not even be aware of. And it's not that they're intentionally uh, doing something to discredit or to uh, sideline. But I agree with you, um, ensuring that black folks, people of color, um, other uh, groups that are marginalized are a part of the conversation. I think uh, this is the great opportunity for Iowa City to make really bold moves. And Iowa City, frankly, would be one of the first few cities in the U.S. Um, to even initiate such a, you know, of like a project in the community at all um like truth and reconciliation, like that the conversation regarding reparations has been going on you know for a couple of years now you know but like i'm really you know just speaking for me personally and and ifr as well we're very you know proud that i was sitting in our community as you know as a collective we're able to push for this demand you know in particular as well and truth and reconciliation um how i look at it is really trying to hear the stories from people in the community their personal stories that is shared with them by themselves about how they have felt, you know, less, um, how they felt lessened um, or marginalized, hear those personal stories. And that will start some of the framework. We already have heard mm -hmm. a lot of the stories, right? We know the stories. 
Um, but I also feel that it's important to have a few samples um, when we're talking about if we're going to look at housing and if we're going to look at policing, if we're mm -hmm. going to look at, um, you know, any of those where we start having the conversation about, well, these are the stories that people are sharing because that'll really help us look at what are some of the solutions that need to be in and place? not just and i would also say that, that not only are these stories and you know the are they're not only important to officials you know what i mean i think it's really also like a public hearing with in terms of like with respect to truth truth and reconciliation commission i believe also um teaches the community also a lot about you know like why allies in the community about what is going on you know like what how are minority people minority peoples in my community you know dealing with like you know they're they've never experienced, you know, they've never experienced, you know, been in that experience. And so I think it's really important that it's not, it's not just an eye-opening thing for officials, elected officials, but it's also very eye-opening and a teach, teachable, like very, a very teachable moment for, you know, white allies in the community as well and other uneducated folk in the community as well who just have never had, you know, shared the experiences of other, you know, like black folk or Muslim communities in Iowa City. I think you're talking about something very important, the educational piece, because I know that People are screaming Black Lives Matter, and I know that they mean it. Um, you know, Black Lives Matter, and, and they want the movement. Our white allies, you know, in particular, they want the movement. But, I, but the personal stories is probably something that a lot of people aren't getting um, to understand, you know, why this is uh, very important. As well as, can you tell us a little bit about the meaning Black Lives Matter when we hear the other term, all lives matter, which of course you and I both believe all lives do matter. But when we talk about black lives matter, there's something that we're trying to say specific. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I think the best way to, there's a lot of examples going around um, on the internet these days in terms of like the all lives matter um, trope. Um, but I think the best example that I've seen is like the burning house example, right? So it's like this cartoon where these two people are talking and one person's like, well, I think all lives matter. And so then the other person responds with, we should care exactly equally at all times, you know, about everything. And so then the next caricature, you know, is like one house is burning and then another house isn't burning. And, you know, the person is spraying water on the house that's not burning. And, you know, it says all houses matter. So I think that's like the most simple, basic explanation, you know, of what Black Lives Matter is actually talking about. You know, what, like we are talking about the experience and the consistent struggle of black folk in this country in every single community and city in this country for decades centuries you know and saying all lives matter like completely invalidates you know the movement and the struggle and the fights the the fight that black folk have been continually pursuing for years and so i think it's really important that one people you know take this time especially allies take this time to educate yourselves you know, before, you know, anything else. And I think it's really important that you're not only just, you know, educating yourself about Black Lives Matter and like racism, white supremacy, but you're also educating yourselves about these systems that, you know, you're fighting, you know, and saying that you want to, you know, get rid of and eradicate, you know, what is, learn about the abolition movement, learn about the, the industrial complex, you know, learn about these systems that we, you know, are saying we want to fight, you know, what is the incar incarceration system? Do you even know how that system functions, you know? So I think it's really important, you know, to, keep that, the education aspect is very, very key. I agree, I think that education point, and I'm so happy that you brought up that particular example about you know the house on fire, because I think that's something that I've been using personally, like Black Lives Matter and, and that same you know example of like, 
our house is on fire. We need everybody to come and help get the fire out of our house. And so please, everybody out there, if you don't walk away with nothing else, know that black lives are on fire and we need everybody to play a part, to burn it out, to, to simmer it out. And, and I think the educational piece that you just mentioned on several avenues, I think people um, have, have a, a, there's a yearning, a yearning to learn in our, to be a part of the Black Lives Movement. I'm sure you've, you've seen the outpouring of people that want to be a part. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that educational piece that I'm hoping that will, will arise with, throughout our community in various facets so that people can become more educated because I know that people really do, their intentions are good and they mm -hmm. want to be about the Black Lives Matter, but I do believe that we need a little more education so that we can help people along to understand um, some of the systems that you just talked about. If you're trying to be a part of a movement, you need to know what the movement is actually about and that you're not just, you know, coming out to protests or just coming out to, you know, like supporting and wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts or whatever without actually understanding what you're supporting, you know, and I think that's what, and it becomes a little performative in a sense, you know, you're, you're supporting the community, but you're not actually, you know, in terms of work, in terms of like, you know, being educated in terms of, you know, actually, you know, putting in work. Um, so I think that educate, again, you know, going back to, you know, learn, you know, look up, you know, Angela Davis's work, look up Ruth Wilson Gilmore, learn about, you know, um, these great black women who have consistently been doing research on these, you know, topics and issues for years, you know, and they're just, you know, their work is just getting, you know, out into the public. And, you know, so I think it's really important that, you know, we very much focus on educating every single one of ourselves. Absolutely. Well, you and your uh, peers have been really busy uh, over the past few weeks. So talk about you and your peers and kind of what you all, aren't you proud of them? <laughs> Absolutely so proud. So, so proud. Um, like looking like ever, like I just keep, you know, thinking back like two weeks ago, like we're really here. You know what I mean? Like we went from like where we were, where we started, you know, with those protests. And now we're here at the table making these, just like making these demands and getting our demands fulfilled. And I think like that, you know, is the credit goes to every single person who was out walking on the streets, every single person who was, you know, who got tear gassed, every single person who was flashbanged, every single person who, you know, reached out to their officials. And, you know, it's just, I am so, so, so proud of what the youth of Iowa City have, you know, have achieved. And I think it's just a testament to what the power of, you know, just coming, of being a collective and being educated collective means, you know, and I think it just, you know, proved that age doesn't really mean anything, you know, in a sense, and that, you know, us young folk have been, you know, in Iowa City have been doing this, you know, since, you know, 2016, you know, black kids in Iowa City have been continuously doing that again in 2020. One of the things that my niece said to me when there was a situation that happened at her school, um, we were driving and, and it, it was a race thing where uh, um, a white student did something that was very blatantly racist. Mm -hmm. And um, she was, we were riding and, and she said, you know what, and she calls me Uncle Brucey. She said, you know what, Uncle Brucey, the issue is everybody knows it exists, but nobody wants to talk about it. And I think that that is what right now the Black Lives Matter movement is. I, I've, I've been black all of my life, right? Um, and there, there's been situations and times where we've talked about it. And 
you know, whether it was fuzzy or whether you got in depth, because sometimes the conversations got in depth, or you tried to bring about change. But this right now is a conversation that I know it makes everybody a little bit uncomfortable because you're also examining yourself. Because I think that the most, we can examine every, we can examine all the systems, we can, we can change them, uh, put in policies, but at the end of the day, what really needs the change is individuals. And it's also about how are you perpetuating the system even outside of it in your day-to-day -day life? You know what I mean? How are you as an individual, you know, in your daily actions, perpetuating that system that you, you know, stay, you say or claim you, you know, you may stand against? So I think, you know, that awareness and that self-awareness is very, very key as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I am excited that you uh, was able to join me today. Um, it's, Thank you for having me. It's, it's getting hot outside. Now, I'm going to have to tell you that COVID is real. <laughs> yeah. You um, all have been you all have been really sharing the message. <laughs> yeah. But you've been sharing the message for people to wear masks. Yeah. And I mm -hmm, think that that's mm -hmm. something that we, you know, even during this time that we have to continue to talk about. And even like throughout our process, we've always had masks provided. Yes. We've always encouraged people to bring their own masks, had, you know, hands to, like we've, the IFR has, you know, been very, very attentive to COVID and making sure that we're all safe as well. Yeah. Yes. I've often saw you with your mask on. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, it, it, it takes my uh, anxiety level down just a little bit, right? <laughs> Just a little bit. I, again, thank you so much for being a part today. And I thank look you. forward to more conversations uh, with you and Iowa Freedom Riders. Yes, of course. Yes, because I think that's what it's going to take within mm -hmm. our community to get us all to the next level. Mm -hmm. Yes. Any last final words that you would like to share? I think my last final words would be, you know, that we shouldn't stop, you know, none of us, you know, every one of us, you know, has a say in what, you know, in this movement has a role that they can play in this movement and that we shouldn't, you know, just stop, you know, once like, you know, the city council does something or that once this is all over, that we should, all of us, every single one of us continue to push for black lives in every single facet of our, you know, day to day, you know, activities, you know, whether you're in school, whether, whether you're at work, you know, are you hiring, you know, black people, are you, you know, getting your black friend, you know, that interview or that internship, you know, or supporting your black, you know, your black students, you know, I think it's really important that we take the lessons that we got from this movement and, you know, take them all with us, you know, moving forward, you know, so I think that's my last, my last say, I guess. Awesome. All right. Well, it was perfect. Black lives matter, black lives matter, black Every lives day. matter. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being a part. Thank you so much for having me again. Yes. That's our episode for today. We'll be back again next week with another episode of Community Connection. Until then, remember that we're all in this together and black lives matter.